Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by nobody. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast family. I'm over at Denver Stiffs, as you know, site manager over there. I wanted to break down game two for you as the Denver Nuggets once again lose to the Golden State Warriors. Final score, 126-106. We're in hell over here. It's uh, it is not a fun party to be at. This is uh, this is not a great place to be. And the situation is very dire. It doesn't look like there's a lot of solutions coming because this version of the Nuggets is just not changing. Like there's there's just no, like it just doesn't seem like Jamal Murray is ready. It doesn't seem like Michael Porter Jr. is ready. And even if they were healthy, what the Golden State Warriors are right, right now doing to the Denver Nuggets is... It's very reminiscent of the Phoenix Sun series last year. It's very reminiscent of what a, a championship team does to their first round matchup, no matter who it is. Uh, the Golden State Warriors are a championship caliber team. They were hit by injuries last year. Jordan Poole wasn't quite the player that he was. You get back Clay Thompson. You acquire a couple of extra pieces that'll help you out. Otto Porter, Nemanja Bielitsa, Gary Payton II, and you start to look like a team when you get back your championship foundation that is just world beating. They have the best five-man lineup in basketball right now, and it's not particularly close. The Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, 
Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green lineup is just unbelievable. And it's painful to watch on this side of things, right? Like, you, you never want to be on the other side of a historic run. Like, that's always the worst feeling is, is wow, you, you got run into and run over by a really, really great team and you never had the opportunity to sort of enjoy the fact that you got to the playoffs. Had the Nuggets won a couple more games and were there facing the Dallas Mavericks as opposed to the Golden State Warriors, then maybe things are different. Now, Jalen Brunson did just put up 40 points against the Utah Jazz, so it's possible that Denver would be getting smacked around there. But right now, they're getting smacked around here. And I'm struggling to find the the solutions, folks. Like, this is just, it's one of those things where Denver's best punch, Nikola Jokic, has been muted for sure. Like, there's, there's just no doubt in my mind that this is not the best version of Nikola Jokic. And he has weaknesses in his game that are being taken advantage of by the Golden State Warriors scheme and their outside shooting and their cutting and their spacing and their speed. But on the offensive end, in a situation where he really is the only guy that can do any damn thing, he has to go up against the best one-on-one defender in the world in Draymond Green. Draymond Green didn't win Defensive Player of the Year this year, but had he played more minutes, he probably would have. He is at a level right now where nobody else in the NBA can reach. Nobody else. Not Mikhail Bridges, not Marcus Smart, who just won DPOY, not even Rudy Gobert. What Draymond Green is doing right now is historic, and he's really hurting the best center in basketball because Jokic, he put up 26 points on 20 shots. So it's not like he didn't do his thing, but he could have been better. And in this game, Jokic shot three of 13 from the field against Draymond Green. Three of 13 means he shot six of seven against all other people. I don't know if he got to the free throw line against Draymond. I I can't remember if that's something that happened tonight, but three of 13 in live ball possessions that he turned the ball over a couple times, it was not good. And at the end, Jokic got so frustrated that he drew a second technical foul and was ejected from the game. And that's never where you want to see your star player to be. I was talking to Matt Moore about this and what he thought about it. He said that, he kind of forgives him for for this particular outcome. And I tend to agree just because you're down 20, 20 plus with about seven minutes to go. And that's a frustration ejection. That's not the worst thing in the world. Now, if he had smacked Draymond Green in the head out of frustration, that's a little bit different. Kind of like smacking Cameron Payne in the head. But he didn't do that. Like he he... Gave his heart. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that he worked as hard as he possibly could tonight. But let's face it. The Nuggets cannot put Draymond Green in a compromised position because they do not have any other threats on the court. Monte Morris was the closest thing to it tonight. He had 12 points on eight shots. He went five of eight from the field, two of three from three, three assists, two turnovers. But Will Barton went 
12 points on 5 of 15. Aaron Gordon went 7 points on 3 of 9. Jeff Green went 3 points on 1 of 3. Jamichael Green, 1 of 7. DeMarcus Cousins doesn't share the floor with Jokic. Bones Highland, I thought, played pretty well. Austin Rivers shot the ball reasonably well when uh, the, the shots didn't really matter. But it just seems like the Nuggets are trying to piece together as many small pieces around Jokic as they can to try to bolster and get to the point where the Golden State Warriors, they've basically got a death lineup where everybody is being impactful. You have Stephen Curry coming off the bench with 34 points, 12 of 17 from the field in 23 minutes, and he was a plus 32. Jordan Poole, once again, 29 points, 8 assists, 2 steals, a block, and was just absolutely killing it tonight from everywhere. He was giving everybody the business, most notably Aaron Gordon. Andrew Wiggins also got in on the action. He had 13 points on 9 shots. That's basically Denver's second best contribution because Monte Morris had 12 points on 8 shots. Andrew Wiggins had 13 points on 9, 5 of 9, 2 of 3 from the 3. That's basically what Monte Morris did. That was Denver's second best contribution tonight. That is horrendous. Denver's at this situation where Jokic is being asked to do everything on top of being asked to captain the defense and move his feet as much as he possibly can. When there are certain breakdowns that he just can't control, there are certain breakdowns that a better defensive center and a more quick and mobile defensive center might be able to counter. But it's hard for me to put this on Jokic. It's hard for me to put even the defensive issues on Jokic. Because I look at what Denver's doing and I look at them getting blown by and breaking coverage and just giving up these wide open threes where Jokic isn't even in the play. And I'm just thinking, man, like, I can't blame Jokic for this. He's not even there. Somebody else's responsibility. Now, some of it is on Jokic, and we should be able to have that conversation about, hey, these are his faults. These are definitely his issues on the defensive end. One of the reasons why I don't personally harp on those is because those aren't changing. There's something that he like that he just can't do. But I do think that the rest of the personnel is, I don't know, you can shift things around. You Everybody can play better. If you don't have as much of a responsibility on the offensive end, you should be able to commit a little bit more defensively. And whatever Denver is committing right now is just not working. It is not good. Whatever Aaron Gordon's doing right now, it's not working. Last game, I think he had eight points, five rebounds, zero assists on three of ten from the field. Tonight, he had seven points, five rebounds, three assists on three of nine from the field, one of four from three. He was a minus 12, only played 25 minutes. Gordon got benched again. And I think one of the reasons why he's struggling and why Denver's struggling in general is because he can't keep up with the perimeter guards defensively. It's not his game. He is more of a four than he is a three. And he's being asked to do a three duties. And he's also being asked to chase around ones and ones and twos. Like Jordan Poole, like Steph Curry. If you get switched onto those guys, that's fine. And he's got to do his best to hang with those guys. And if he can't do that, then maybe he's not the guy for Denver. 
But right now, Denver's having him guard threes, guard twos, guard ones, just straight up. And obviously, that's not working. And if they were playing better with Jeff Green, if they were playing better with him at the four and Gordon at the three, and they were making their stuff work on the interior, scoring in the inside, then I'd be fine with it. But Denver only had 42 points in the paint tonight. That is not a high enough proportion for what they need to be doing. They were settling for a lot of threes, even when their big lineup was out there against Golden State's small lineup. And with Jokic, I understand. He's got to try to bury Draymond under the basket. That is what he should be doing. He should not be settling for threes. And if he takes the threes while they're wide open, he's got to make at least one or two of them. That's on Yoke. He has to be better there. But it is not on Aaron Gordon to take threes. It's not on Jeff Green to take threes in this particular configuration. Occasionally, you've got to take one. But for the most part, you can't just be standing on the perimeter and doing nothing. Jeff Green tonight had three points, two offensive rebounds, and that was his entire contribution. He had one personal foul. Aaron Gordon, very uninvolved tonight, and the only ways that he was involved were mostly bad. Will Barton, who, look, he had 10 rebounds tonight. He had a bad shooting night, but he did shoot two of four from three. At least he was trying to get into the lane. At least he was trying to get into the paint. And and sometimes he settled for some bad mid-range twos. He definitely doesn't get a pass for tonight. But I thought that once again, he was one of the guys that was trying to do the right thing and, and move the ball correctly. Monte Morris, there's only so much that he can do because he just doesn't have the size to do what, what Barton can do. But I thought that on the defensive end tonight, it really was Aaron Gordon. It was Monte Morris. It was Jeff Green. Those were probably the three biggest defenders tonight. Barton, you can criticize him all you want, and I get it. I understand. I know that people want to point the finger at him for pretty much everything. I honestly don't think that he was the worst defender tonight. I thought that he did a reasonable job on Clay. I thought that when he was on Jordan Poole, he was pretty good. I thought that when he was on Wiggins, he was pretty good. Jeff Green gave up open shots to Wiggins. So did Jokic. Uh, there were just a lot of guys. And Aaron Gordon was just, for whatever reason, he's the mark defensively. He's the guy that Golden State has decided that they can target, that they can break. And they've broken him. They just have. It's hard to watch. For whatever reason, Denver has gone to this big lineup and they haven't gone away from it yet. Even when Golden State has gone small, they have changed up their rotation. Golden State has to make sure that they've got their five best players on the court. I don't know if Denver can say the same. And because of that, they need to be they need to be countering what the Nuggets are or what the Warriors are doing rather than just trying to match strength for strength because Denver's strength is just not as strong. That's just kind of how it is at this point. Denver played, let's see, six. They played 14 straight minutes in 
the second and third quarter, uh, kind of mid-second to late second, and then beginning of the third to the middle-late third portion. Those 14 straight minutes were played with a Gordon, Jeff Green, Nikola Jokic configuration with either Monte Morris or there was one minute of Austin Rivers out there, but then Will Barton also out there. And that lineup is going to look really bad on the plus minus. Like it just is. There's definitely going to be a problem there. Um, but Denver, in a lot of these minutes, it is it is sort of interesting to look at the plus minus of somebody like Jeff Green versus somebody like Nikola Jokic because they shared the floor basically for 23 out of their 28 minutes. But in the tw- but in the five minutes that Jeff Green didn't play and Denver went to their bench lineup with Nikola Jokic, it looks like Denver was a, is, am I reading this right? They were a minus 19 and five minutes when Jeff Green was off the floor while Nikola Jokic was on. That is insane. Yeah, that's right. That's insane. I'm gonna go have I'm gonna have to go look back at those particular units and see what Denver was doing. But what I'm looking at here is that Denver in those particular groups was basically Jokic plus the entire bench. You've got Bones, you've got Bryn Forbes, Austin Rivers, Jermichael Green, and Jokic. And yeah, minus 19 and five minutes basically that group. And I mean, yeah, it's just, it's not a great place to be. Can Jokic prop up that group? Clearly not. Clearly, clearly he cannot. But in those other minutes, Denver was just minus seven. So I've got to, I've got to go back and do some more data work because that is something that's a little bit insane. Just looking at the plus minus, looking at the box score seeing how quickly Golden State can go on these runs by exposing weak lineups. It's frustrating. Everybody was bad tonight, once again. Jokic had 26 points. No other Nugget had more than 12. Barton had 12. Morris had 12. Bones had 12. Forbes had 10. We'll go over the bench in the second segment, but I just want to lament this here real quick. I'm not sure how much better Denver's punches can get. I'm not sure where this can improve because it felt like Denver was holding on to the rope for long periods of time, especially in the first half. They were doing really well. They even had an extended lead with the bench. But then it all came crashing down. And I do think that part of that is on Malone. Part of that is on the players and how they sort of responded in those moments. And part of it is just on the fact that this is probably a cursed season. So when we take, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about those rotation decisions, but also with the bench and how that's working right now. We will be right back. Hi, we're back. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support as always. If you can take the doom and gloom, if you can uh, take the jokes while they come and just uh, sort of laugh through the pain like I usually do, uh, would mean the would mean the world if you could subscribe to the podcast, Five Stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the program, leave a review. Always helps me spread the love. 
Uh, I took a picture of the uh, Argentinians hate Faku Campazo uh, poster that I've got, or the the metal frame that I've got on my wall, which I think is just a it's a fun joke to just kind of lean into. Like, it, it, look, you just got to have fun with a, a season kind of like this one because let's face it, this was a season from hell. During the break, I did look up some of the lineup data for Denver. It looks like Denver's biggest issues on the lineup front, the Jokic, uh, Jamichael Green, Austin Rivers, Bryn Forbes, Bones, Highland lineup in three minutes was a minus 10. Uh, that's not great. There was also one without Jamichael, without Jamichael Green, or without Jeff Green, excuse me, where you had uh, Bones, Rivers, Barton, Jamichael Green, Jokic, where in one minute it was minus five. So there's just these lineups where Denver doesn't really score during these small stretches, and then Golden State just piles up points in bunches. It makes it look so much worse than it is. I think I heard Adam say this on one of the podcasts, that a 20-point loss to the Golden State Warriors really is like a 10-12 to point loss against most other teams because of the runs that they put up on you. This Warriors team is built on runs more than just about any other team in the NBA. They feast off of it. They take advantage of your small little mistakes, and they put a chisel right to them and smash it with a hammer. And that's just kind of how they roll. That's just kind of what they do. And they've been doing it for a decade, a freaking decade. And it is funny that, or not really funny, it's actually traumatic, that Denver 10 years ago broke up the George Carl Nuggets because Danilo Gallinari got hurt. And then they ran into an upstart young Steph Curry. Draymond Green got his start in that postseason as well after David Lee got hurt. And so you got Steph, Clay, Draymond. You've got a young team that just nobody really understood just how quickly they were coming. And then they're here and you realize, oh shit, that's a championship contender. We might be looking at the same situation here. And they look, they might not be able to match up with like Giannis and the Bucks who's just even more physical uh, than, than Jokic is when being guarded like some, by somebody like Draymond. But it is going to be very interesting to see if Golden State can continue. And like, I mean, because look, the series isn't over, but I, I just don't think that Denver can really make up ground here. This might just be a championship contender that we're facing. So look, it might just be that. And it might just be that. That's, that's just kind of how these things go. On a Talk about rotation decisions really quickly. Michael Malone decided to go full bench once again in this game. And one of the things that it really led to, uh, he played the starters basically. So Monte Morris got into foul trouble in this game. And so he was taken out after like three minutes. Uh, he had two fouls in three minutes. And Bones Highland came in and replaced him and played the last nine minutes of the first quarter. Then he didn't play in the second quarter at all, and Monte basically played the entire second quarter, and it was kind of a natural stagger with a team with uh, Golden State and with the bench. And Denver they made it work. I thought the Morris uh, Will Barton came in for what was initially a hurt slash injured Austin Rivers. You had Morris, you had Bryn Forbes, you had Will Barton, Jamichael Green, Demarcus Cousins was playing reasonably well. Jamichael Green was making good defensive plays. 
the team was playing really well. And obviously, like, look, you got to weather the storm because Steph Curry didn't even really play against that particular group. You had Jordan Poole come back in. You had Clay Thompson come back in. Uh, you had, what, Gary Payton II at times. You had Nemanja Bielitsa, Otto Porter. And then Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green came back in when the run was really starting to happen. And you could feel the tide beginning to shift. Denver had picked up this, this lead. It was like a 44-31 to 31 lead, or 43-31. to 31. And then Steve Kerr sends his subs to the, to the scorer's table. And you could just see what the, the cogs turning in Michael Malone's head on this one. How much time can I buy for Nikola Jokic before he comes back in and he has to be run ragged by this particular group? So he leaves Jermichael Green out there. He leaves DeMarcus Cousins out there. And I'm pretty sure they gave up a 44, like, so it was, it was 43 to 31. It quickly became like 43 to 38. 43 to 39, and then Nikola Jokic came back into the game. So the margin that had been built, that was pretty good. It was a pretty solid margin and pretty solid performance by the bench. They should be credited for that. It then became just a a good stint as opposed to a great stint. And I think Michael Malone turned that into a, a thing, a problem, because he wasn't willing to go back to his starters soon enough. Aaron Gordon sat for nine minutes. Jeff Green sat for nine minutes. Nikola Jokic sat for seven. This is the playoffs. You got to be able to play these guys, and you got to know when the right time is to bring these guys back in. And I thought it was pretty clear. Just you could see the momentum start to shift when Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins came back into the game. And Michael Malone just left his guys out there for two minutes too long. And he forced to call a timeout, forced to wait for a stoppage. Jokic comes back in. Gordon comes back in. Jeff Green comes back in. And in those six minutes, Steph Curry also comes back in. And the Nuggets just get blitzed. They get played off the court by the Warriors' death lineup as the Warriors go small compared to the Nuggets going big. They're running a lineup of Morris, Barton, Gordon, Jeff Green, and Jokic. And the Warriors are running their lineup of Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, Klay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green. I think they waited until like the five-minute mark. But it was once again fantastic tonight. I think in the first half, it was like a 26-8 to scoring margin that they had. And the problem is, is that Denver can't make them pay on the interior when they go small. There is just no way to get to the rim against a team that smart because Denver doesn't have the requisite creators and play finishers at the playmaking positions. And so they've got to figure out other ways to do it. And it just can't be Jokic trying to back down Draymond Green every time because that doesn't work. It just doesn't. So they've got to figure it out. Denver's got to come up with a new solution. I talked about this on Twitter tonight, that Michael Malone should not be playing Jeff Green and Aaron Gordon together for the entirety of their stints. Those guys are athletic, they are versatile, but they are also too big 
and two non-floor spacers that are trying to like they're they're cramping Nikola Jokic's spacing and they're not cutting to the level that they're actually making an impact. The cuts have really disappeared against the Warriors. And certainly the cutting lanes have disappeared. And when Denver's out there in the 16 minutes that apparently the Morris Barton, Green, Gordon, Jokic lineup played together. I thought it played for more t- uh, three minutes in the first quarter, about five minutes in the second quarter, and eight minutes in the... Okay, so it did play for like 16. They only played for 16 minutes together, but they shot two of 11 from three during that time. They only got to the free throw line nine times. They had six total assists on 11 made baskets and five turnovers. There were a minus 11 in those 16 minutes. That's a losing formula. It is a is a losing formula for Denver to go back to that group because now we have multiple games of data on it. And I know that there are probably aren't other great options, but this is the time where you got to start trying stuff. That's for sure. And some of the guys that were on the bench, Bones Highland for one, he played pretty well tonight. Bryn Forbes, I thought, shot the ball reasonably well. Still kind of a defensive sieve, but it is what it is. Austin Rivers has had a bad defensive series. But I do think that if Denver has any semblance of a chance, he's probably got to be out there. Some other guard has to be out there over Aaron Gordon or Jeff Green. And obviously, Aaron Gordon's the one that you would want to keep on the floor because he is the long-term piece. He's the guy that you signed to the four-year $92 million extension. I get it. That's what you would prefer. But he's also playing terribly. He's also playing bad basketball. So I don't know if like they might bench Aaron Gordon and just as well, they probably wouldn't bench him. But if the Warriors continue to start Steph Curry off the bench, then Denver can probably keep the same starting group, but they have to be willing to pivot sooner. They played these guys way too many minutes together. In the between the two games, Gordon played 25 of his 26 minutes in game one as the small forward, next to Jeff Green, next to Nikola Jokic. Game two plays 9, 15, 23, 23 out of his 25 minutes as the small forward, next to Jeff Green and Nikola Jokic. And I don't get it. I definitely know why he's struggling. The reason is because he's a small forward in 2005, but this is 2022. The Nuggets need floor spacers. They need players that can switch, move their feet, cover a lot of ground, and Gordon just hasn't been that guy on the defensive end this time around. Neither is Jeff Green, by the way, but that's why you move that guy to the four, so that if anything, they're guarding Andrew Wiggins at the start of these possessions as opposed to Jeff Green, or no, as opposed to uh, Clay Thompson or Jordan Poole or Steph Curry or guys like that. That is a hellscape of an assignment. So I understand why Denver's struggling. I understand why they're in this position, but Michael Malone needs to make these rotation adjustments. This is something that should be relatively simple to do. And the fact that Denver's not going to it and they're keeping a 10-man rotation in these situations, I think is dumb. I think you probably have to bench Jermichael Green. I think you probably have to go with 
Austin Rivers as a starter and bring Jeff Green off the bench. Or you could keep the starting lineup and just stagger Gordon and Green. Gordon and Jeff, excuse me. And then keep the three guards off the bench and just play DeMarcus Cousins as the only big. And then you're fine. And then you're okay. You can come up with more adjustments that way. You can come up with a little bit more kind of playing around with the rotations. Don't go to the 10, man. It's just not going to help anything. Because despite the fact that you're winning some of those minutes with Jamichael Green on the floor, and actually they weren't. Let me just look at the box score here real quick. No, Jamichael Green was a minus 10. He was a minus 13 in 15 minutes last game, or it might have been flipped. One of those two numbers. Uh, so he's been a minus in those particular minutes. DeMarcus Cousins is winning his minutes. He's actually been reasonably good in his time on the court, but that's because he's being mirrored by Nemanja Bielica. That is the time where Draymond Green is resting. He's not playing during those minutes. So take advantage of it. Get Aaron Gordon some touches during that time, and maybe he can get going too. It's probably what you got to do. I'm not sure what else Denver does. Faku got in. He immediately got posted up by Steph Curry, who looked like he was doing the Hakeem Olajuwon dream shake against him by banking it and Timmy dunking it off the glass. That was not great. Um, but Faku could potentially play and make some and cause some havoc at some point. That's definitely something that could happen. Uh, could Bryn Forbes play a little bit more with Nikola Jokic? Maybe. His minutes with Jokic overlapped. He had two minutes in the first quarter, zero minutes in the third, and then two minutes in the fourth. So he only had four of his minutes out of his out of his 24 minutes overlap with Jokic. So maybe Denver should be getting more creative and staggering Jokic. Maybe they should force the, the Warriors to change up their rotation a little bit. And you have DeMarcus Cousins come in at like the six-minute mark. And then have Jokic kind of bridge the gap between the first and the second quarter. Something like that. I don't know. But Michael Malone has to be willing to try things. This is the stage where you get creative. You tell your players, look, you trust me. We're going to try to get a win. We're going to try to do it. It's going to get a little bit weird. We're going to throw a whole bunch of shit at the wall and see if it sticks. Because you got to create the variance against Golden State. They have too many avenues where if you play them straight up, you're going to win. You have to try something different. Because game two looked like an exact mirror of game one, except Monte Morris got into foul trouble in the first three minutes. That is the only difference between the two. So what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? When we come back, we're going to talk about kind of this year as a whole and how it has really been hell and why I understand why people are getting frustrated. We'll be right back. back final segment pickaxe and roll thank you so much everybody for tuning in uh just been tough it's it's been a tough year for everybody for sure 
Uh, frankly, it's been it's been a, a long stretch of years that have been tough for the Nuggets, and it's been mixed in with some good things. So I don't want to like completely diminish those things that have been good for the team. But I can understand why people are getting frustrated. I can understand why things may be getting a little bit stale. The Nuggets decided last year, or they decided this offseason, that they're basically going to run it back. The only things that they really changed were they replaced Paul Millsap and JaVale McGee with Jeff Green and Bones Highland. And there were some other things, like they they let go of Shaq Harrison and did some, some stuff on the fringes. But for the most part, they tried to bring back the same roster. And people forget that included... P.J. Dozier, that included Bull Bull, included some other guys at the beginning of the year where you just, you, you knew that Jamal Murray would be out, but you didn't assume that Michael Porter would be out. That was just something that surprised you. And you didn't know that the backup center position would be so bad that the minutes with Faku would be so bad and things just sort of became very stressful from the very beginning of the year. And so I'm not surprised that at this stage you have frustration arguments with teammates where Barton is getting yelled at by pretty much everybody because he's been horrible defensively this series and horrible defensively all season. But look, he gets into spats with teammates. He he definitely was not a fan of what DeMarcus Cousins said. Let me see if I can find the actual phrasing of it because there's a Yeah, Will on the DeMarcus Cousins spat. This is from Mike Singer. Quote, just some goofy shit that I can't entertain. So I'm not really sure what that means. I can definitely tell you that I'm not surprised that DeMarcus Cousins is caught up in some goofy shit, apparently. Lots of people were wondering, hey, why, why are you skeptical of the DeMarcus Cousins fit? He initially won me over. He initially did. And people were like, why, why are you skeptical of that when, when he was doing really well and when the bench was doing really well? And I get it. And and I, I sort of bought into the Kool-Aid while it was going on. But then you get into situations like these where the team needs to come together and you need to be positive and you need to figure it out together. I'm not surprised that the team is kind of fraying a little bit, that there's a lot of people that are very frustrated, that are very angry. I'm not surprised that there have been frustration texts, partially because it was DeMarcus Cousins uh, last game. But I'm not surprised that Nikola Jokic is frustrated, where he had the first tech that he had was on his fourth foul. I can't remember the timing of it. If it, I think it was in the late third quarter or somewhere around there. Yeah, like three and a half minutes remaining or something like that. And he gets kind of a BS foul. He yells about it. I, did, I wasn't listening to the live feed. I was actually watching the, uh, the the backboard cam or whatever without any commentary because I just didn't want to hear anything. Um, and so he got a frustration tech, and that happens. Like it's tough. You're you're in a situation where you're going down 15, 20 points, and you're like, I hate this. Let me argue my case, and he argued into a tech. He comes back on the court, and after two minutes of Draymond Green just absolutely cooking him, uh, where Jokic is trying to go at Draymond, can't do a damn thing, and Jokic gets frustrated with that. 
partially because, look, Draymond was fouling him in a lot of these cases. On the turnover, for sure. On the shot that he had up against the rim, where Draymond definitely hit him on the arm, hit him on the wrist, and it didn't get called. And he's like, what the hell? And he turns to the ref and is like, call the damn foul, basically. And the ref gives him a tech. And then he gets tossed because he gets two techs. And so you're down 20 at that point, and it's understandable. But then for getting two ejections in two games, it's not really surprising given where the mental state of this team is and given the, what they have to endure. This is the absolute worst team outside of Phoenix for the Nuggets to endure this. Where if it was Phoenix, they would be like just automatically, here we go again. We hate this group. And there would be some, like they would, they would probably be able to do some things against Phoenix a little bit better. Like Jokic would be able to keep up with, with uh, DeAndre Ayton a little bit better than he can against Draymond Green. And then you can give up some shots to Mikhail Bridges and Jay Crowder that you can't give up to, frankly, Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins because those guys are the new Splash Bros, apparently. And you've got to deal with the other Splash Bros, too. So would Denver get very frustrated against the Suns? Sure. But the Warriors are also this awful matchup for Denver for that reason. And Denver's best punch is being taken away. So you get these barrages where you get these massive swings of threes and layups, and the Warriors are just clowning Denver at this point. And it's just hell. It's just frustration all the time. And the Nuggets just look tired. They look very pressed. They look like a team that needs Cancun, that needs any semblance of a break where they had these shortened off seasons. And Matt was talking about this with me post game. That this team probably has been the has been hurt the worst by fatigue and exhaustion than any other team, any other franchise over the course of these past three years. Because you start in the bubble. I think Denver had 83 days in the bubble. 12 weeks is 84 days. So basically they had 12 weeks in the bubble, in a weird environment. And it was very weird. You had people in and out with COVID on the roster. Like Denver, they played a lineup that had Jokic as the point guard, Jeremy Grant as the two, Bull Bull as the three, Paul Millsap as the four, and Plumlee as the five. And that's a that's an actual lineup that they played in an exhibition game, getting ready for the bubble. And then they got some guys back, but they, they still had to wait a little bit. And as a result, they went down 3-1 twice. They were behind the eight ball, and they had to work so hard to get back on that track. And they dug out of it twice. It was some of the best moments of my life covering this basketball team. And then they got hit with AD shooting variants from Anthony Davis and the Lakers. And they just, they lost. And they were in the conference finals at that point. And I think they they ultimately went down. I'm pretty sure the, like it was probably about September 15th, September 20th, when they were ultimately eliminated. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong about that. It might actually be closer to October. But then Denver, like everybody started playing by Christmas. That was the kickoff for the next season. 
So you then go into year two and Denver's still trying to figure some things out, but Jokic is really just putting the team on his back. And then he has an MVP performance. And then Murray goes down. But Jokic carries them through the finish line. He figures it out. Denver, they, they still look like they could beat teams, and they beat the Blazers in the first round. The Blazers, as we kind of learned, they sucked. And so Denver got hit with an easy matchup there. And then when they faced a harder matchup, a team that went to the NBA Finals in the Suns, they got clowned. They got swept. They weren't ready for it. They were tired. It was pretty clear that they were tired then. But you're hoping for a change of pace in year three. You still have a slightly abridged offseason as well where Denver, they, they were in the second round of the playoffs. But the year also started a month earlier. And it's also probably the reason why Jamal isn't playing right now. That's probably the reason, honestly. Porter goes down early in the year. Denver doesn't bring in these massive replacements. They have it in the back of their minds that these guys could come back. And then when they don't, you're sort of left with a team that kind of gutted it out for 82 games, hoping that they'd be placed down two pegs in the in the pecking order by the end of it. Now you've still got Aaron Gordon, who needs to be a second option. You've still got Will Barton, who needs to be a second or third option. Monte Morris needs to be the starting point guard. Jeff Green needs to play big, massive minutes against the freaking Golden State Warriors. And it's tough. And Jokic has to carry them all. And that's tough too. And it was just a slog. And one of the reasons why it was so difficult this year in particular is because there was no joy. They're probably going to lose to Golden State in four or five games. And it's going to feel terrible at the end of it. Because you've had this tough, tough regular season. And usually at the end of a slog where you you get to a place where you can feel pretty good about it, which is the playoffs, Denver can get to that place. And they just never had a payoff. They just never had the, okay, here's our reward. Their reward is facing the death lineup warriors. That's a tough place to be. I wonder if the perspective for everybody, like I said in the second segment, If the Warriors go to the finals, Denver will have played the Los Angeles Lakers, who were the NBA champions, the Phoenix Suns, who were the Western Conference champions and pushed the the Bucks to six, and then also the Golden State Warriors. And I wonder if the Warriors can actually beat the Suns, and if they get a good matchup in the finals, could they be the NBA champions? If they were then my God, Denver would be facing and being eliminated by three straight teams that would go to the freaking NBA Finals. And so you can't necessarily feel bad about that. You didn't get a good draw. You didn't get a good matchup. You could have gotten the Dallas Mavericks. You could have gotten the Utah Jazz. Had Denver won more games, they might have. But they weren't able to do that. That's kind of part of the story too. So, there's a lot to talk about. There's still a lot. There's still a couple games left to be played. Hopefully, there are three or four or five more games to be played. Like, I would want Denver to extend this series as often as possible. I would hate and and hate thinking about 
the idea of getting swept in two straight series. Because it's one thing to get eliminated, it's another to be swept. It's where you're just completely outclassed and outmatched and outgunned. And that's a really annoying place. Because you've got these fan bases that have wanted to clown Nikola Jokic and clown the Nuggets and all of their fans for thinking that they have a chance. And that's a, like, it's just, it's just not fun. Like, this is supposed to be enjoyable. You're supposed to enjoy this part of the season. So, there's a lot to address. Michael Malone has not had a good coaching season. But he is also coaching with two arms tied behind his back. Tim Connolly has not had a good GM season. But he is also co- like GMing with two arms behind his back. I do think that he thought that Murray and Porter would be back. He said as much. He said that they would be medically cleared. And then Porter had a setback and Murray just didn't get back in time. And I think that's really where we're at. And so those things didn't happen. And obviously... I think he'd probably change how Denver approached these things if he knew that they wouldn't be back. I think he would have changed some stuff. And so would Malone, to be frank. But Denver's roster and the players just haven't been serious enough about this all year. They've just been trying to get through the regular season and get to the playoffs But through it all, they never built their championship habits. They never took it seriously. They never had these moments during the regular season and these stretches where you can look back on and say, yes, that was Denver Nuggets basketball. That was where they were playing their best. You never had that. You had stretches where Jokic was the best player in the world and the bench wasn't an abject failure. And that was just kind of how they got through. So, Denver, in the years going forward, not just next year, in the years going forward, they're going to have to use the regular season as a training for the playoffs and as a, as a prism with which they get better and perfect their material before the playoffs. They can't just be trying to struggle through it. And obviously that has to do with Murray being out and Porter being out, whatever. Assuming you get better health going forward, the entire team has to be on board with being more serious during the regular season. And that's the players, that is the coaches, that is the front office. For getting the pieces that you need, playing well, and in gear for a playoff run. And then just making sure that the players are on track and going the same direction. Because you can't have this fraying. you got to cut the fat. That's probably the best way to do it. So hopefully this resonates. And hopefully the Nuggets take it seriously. Hopefully they're pissed off enough that they win game three. That is what I'm shooting for. Let's get on it. Let's see if the Nuggets can win in front of the home crowd. That would make everybody feel loads better, I'm sure. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by absolutely nobody. 
Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. You can check out my writing and the writing of many others over at Denver Stiffs. We're doing great work over there, making sure to produce as much great content as possible. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm Cindy Lauper. My psoriasis was all over, even on my scalp, which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix works on both. Cosentix secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis 300 milligram dose and adults with active psoriatic arthritis 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or one 844 Cosentix. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. If you travel for work, you know to pack two suits, business and swim. You know with your Delta SkyMiles Business Amex card, buying that plane ticket for a business trip can get you closer to medallion status. You know that a meeting in Montana means visiting almost every national park. Yellowstone? Check. Because you're the chief excursion officer. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know business. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.